You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, August 30th. I'm Portia Cook. And I'm Kira McKinley. And you're tuned into KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with updates on a suspect who pulled a knife on two CSU students. Then Portia covers local news with updates on a local oil and gas site shutdown. Stay tuned for entertainment news as Portia goes over details on a local black culture and heritage exhibition. I then sit down with members of the Brothers of Brass Band to learn about their band and listen to some of their newest music. Kira McKinley then reports on environmental news with updates on the threat to tarantula species in Colorado. After that, Kira will go over national news with updates on the search of Donald Trump's Mar-Largo home. Stay tuned as Eliza Droder goes over updates in CSU sports, including details on CSU women's volleyball. And to conclude today's show, I take a look at what Fort Collins has in store for the weather this week. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Tuesday, August 30th. Last week, two CSU students were harassed and threatened by a man in front of the CSU Rec Center. Fort Collins police released a statement on what happened in a Fox 31 interview. They said the male visitor asked a female student who was walking near the rec center for directions to another campus location and then began to yell at her. The male suspect then approached the female student and grabbed her by the arm while continuing to yell at her. A bystander student intervened on her behalf. The suspect threatened the two students with a knife and walked away. The students were not injured, end quote. Police and a SWAT team happened to be on campus for an annual walkthrough through the CSU campus stadium before fall sports commenced. This allowed them to quickly get to the scene and arrest the suspect, according to Fox 31. In other campus news, ASL is now becoming more of a common language. It is now the fourth most popular language class in the world being taken right now, and is nearly knocking German out of its third-place spot, according to the Chicago Tribune. CSU is providing classes for this ever-growing language and now has its very own ASL club. Next week, on Thursday, August 8th, the club is holding a beginner's night for those who are interested in learning more about ASL and some of its basics. Thank you for listening to my CSU campus news updates. I'm Kira McKinley, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. Here's Portia Cook with your local news updates. I'm Portia Cook reporting your local news. Colorado state officials have ordered Prospect Energy oil and gas facility in North Fort Collins to shut down. According to Bethany Osborne of The Coloradoan, the Colorado Department of Health and Environment ordered the shutdown of Prospect Energy's cross-tank battery site because of, quote, repeated violations that endangered the public. Michael Ogletree, the director of the Air Pollution Control Division, said in a press release that, quote, this is a unique situation that calls for extraordinary measures to ensure we are protecting public welfare, end quote. Prior to this week's shutdown, the state health department issued four enforcement actions with mandatory conferences to discuss the violations and how to resolve them. Health department officials, however, alleged that representatives from Prospect Energy failed to attend the compliance meetings and continued to show a pattern of violations throughout the company. Larimer County Health Department and the state told the Colorado when they inspected the facility several times after nearby residents complained about a strong odor coming from the site. After multiple repeat inspections, state health officials told the Coloradoan Prospect Energy failed to establish proper operation, design, and maintenance mechanisms to prevent illegal emissions. Health officials said some of the violations were related to tanks producing odors associated with hydrogen sulfate, a colorless odor that smells like rotten eggs. Short-term exposure to hydrogen sulfides can result in dizziness, headaches, eye irritation, and difficulty breathing. Further inspection revealed multiple violations, including emissions of volatile organic compounds from oil storage tanks, which contained harmful chemicals like methane and hydrogen sulfide and significantly contribute to ozone pollution in the area. Prospect Oil and Gas also operates the Fort Collins Meyer tank battery site located near the Hearthfire neighborhood. In May of this year, the Colorado Air Pollution Control Division were called to investigate a fire in the mayor site, which occurred less than 300 feet from the Hearth Fire neighborhood. County officials investigating the fire suspected poor maintenance practices contributed to the fire. At this time, the state health department cease and desist order only applies to the cross site. 
Larimer County Health Director Tom Gonzalez said, quote, Larimer County Department of Health and Environment take air quality violations very serious, end quote. According to officials, the only way the cross facility will be allowed to resume operations is if Prospect Energy identifies and addresses all violations. Students in Colorado and Indiana got the opportunity to speak with a CSU graduate turned NASA astronaut from the International Space Station today. Students in Colorado and Indiana got the opportunity to speak with a CSU graduate turned NASA astronaut from the International Space Station today. According to the NASA website, NASA astronaut Khalil Lindgren answered questions for students across Colorado while aboard the International Space Station today as a part of the Denver Museum of Nature and Sciences Scientists in Action broadcast series. The Scientists in Action broadcast series was created to engage students by connecting them with working scientists in the field. Lindgren answered a series of pre-recorded questions from students across Colorado at about 11.10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. According to the NASA website, the broadcast series will reach school districts, homeschooling learning pods, senior community groups, and youth-serving community organizations across Colorado. Lindgren earned his master's degree from Colorado State University, his doctorate from the University of Colorado in Denver, and attended the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. The live stream of today's broadcast with Lindgren can be found on the NASA website at nasa.gov slash nasa live or the NASA app. If you receive an orange tag notice on your home, here's the reason why. Starting next week through September, the Larimer County Treasurer's and Public Trustee's Office will be posting orange tag notices for manufactured homes with delinquent property taxes payable in 2022. According to the Larimer County Government website, the tags are an additional courtesy reminder to pay delinquent property taxes by September 30th to avoid further statutory fees in October and possible tax lien sales in November. Delinquent property tax statements for the property tax year of 2021 were mailed to recipients in early July. Property taxes can be paid online by credit and debit card, electronic check, or by mail. However, starting October 31st, all past due taxes are required to be paid in cash or certified funds. Additional questions regarding property taxes can be found on their website at larimer.gov treasurer. Dolly Parton's Imagination Library is now serving families in Larimer County. The Imagination Library is an early literacy program available to children aged birth to five. The Imagination Library is an early literacy program available to children aged birth to five. Once enrolled in the program, each child will receive one age-appropriate book once a month over the course of five years, according to the United Way of Larimer County website. The books are handpicked by a panel of early literacy professionals as a part of the Dollywood Foundation and will be mailed directly to the child's home with an envelope including the child's name. Books are also available in bilingual titles. As for why families should participate, the United Way of Larimer County said, quote, books in the home have been consistently proven to be an indicator of a child's academic success. 90% of brain development occurs by age five, end quote. More information on Dolly Parton's Imagination Program in Larimer County and for ways to sign up can be found by going to the United Way of Larimer County website at uwalc.org slash imagination library. If you are a current CSU student and would like to be a part of KCSU FM, go to kcsufm.com backslash training to be a live DJ, podcaster, or reporter. This is 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
I'm Portia Cook reporting your entertainment news. Learn about Black culture and heritage through the Fort Collins Museums of Arts exhibition, A Cultural Preserved in the Black Experience. Created by Lewis Cutler of Fort Collins, A Culture Preserved in the Black Experience addresses how Black culture and its heritage reflect and shape values, beliefs, and aspirations, which define people's identity. According to the MOA website, this exhibition will bring together the past and present Black artistic world while showcasing Black visual artists' narratives. The exhibition explores how Black people relate to and fit in with the American dream and how they have had to reshape and reformulate their identities to do so. According to the MOA website, researchers have found that only 1.2% of artwork in most major museums is made by Black artists, which means, quote, that in the eyes of America, the Black artists' creativity or stories are not as important enough to be presented or preserved within the vast majority of artistic institutions, end quote. The Culture Preserved in the Black Experience exhibition is hoping to change that. The exhibition can be seen at the Fort Collins Museum of Art in downtown Fort Collins through October 16th. Party Guru Productions presents Vista Kicks with Dante Elefante and Hail Marys at the Aggie. Vista Kicks is a rock and roll band out of Roseville, California. According to Z2 Entertainment, the band released their debut album titled Booty Shaker's Ball in 2017, followed by their second album titled 20-Something's Nightmare in 2018. Both albums are a mix of the rock and roll, soul, and jazz influences. The concert will take place on September 2nd at 7 p.m. at the Aggie Theater in Old Town Fort Collins. Tickets for this event can be found on the Aggie Theater's website. That's all for your entertainment news. I'm Portia Cook, and you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. Now, an interview with myself and the Brothers of Brass Band as we sit and talk about the history of the band and listen to some of their latest music. My name is Portia Cook, and you're listening to an interview with members of the Brothers of Brass Band. I was able to catch some of the members of the band before their performance at Bohemian Nights on Thursday, August 25th in Old Town, Fort Collins. I have Khalil Simon with me here, who is one of the founding members of Brothers of Brass and who also plays the sousaphone for the band. Khalil, thank you for being here with me. Khalil, how would you describe the type of music the Brothers of Brass plays? Brothers of Brass plays, for the most part, New Orleans-style brass music. We like to mix in a little bit of old-school funk music, pop tunes, hip-hop tunes. It's a collection of of all different types of music uh, in the New Orleans brass band style. Okay, so a little bit of everything. Tell me about the history of the band, how you got started, and how you got here today. The Brothers of Brass started with me and two of my friends in Atlanta. We didn't really have much money, so we started playing music on the streets. And that took us to eventually all around the city of Atlanta playing. And then once we got up enough money to get a car, we started driving all over the country playing outside of other people's shows and that outside of sporting events and stuff like that. And then we got to Denver. And when we got to Denver, Denver has a huge music scene and a lot of different events going on. So there was always an opportunity to make money or do something. I eventually, through that process, met Armando and Jake in 2016. And we reformed Brothers of Brass here in Denver with Armando, Jake, and some of the other members in 2016. Let's talk about the release of Street Life Volume 1, your debut album with the band. Let's talk about that process. What was that like? Street Life Volume 1, man, that was a process. We started recording in um, late 2018. And through that process, we learned a lot about how to record music, that's for sure. We kind of started off at our house, kind of trying to figure it out. We eventually found our way to Coop Studios in Boulder and started to record there. We had some original content that we had wrote over the past year leading up to that. Um, so that was kind of our first experiences putting that on paper or on recording, uh, rather. It was in late 2018 going into 2019. We wrote a whole lot more content, recorded all the way through the pandemic as well, but we didn't really like the way that sounded, so we just kind of like waited until rules changed. And then we started up, up recording again in late 2020. And I guess I kind of felt like I had enough material 
by the summertime last year and I was tired of sitting on it because we had recorded it at, at that point years ago and I wanted to move on to new things so we just went ahead and dropped it and released it and yeah I'm excited I'm excited for the next one how did you all come up with the album name is there any meaning behind it yeah so the first song is a cover of street life by the crusaders and and that song has always really hit home with me and brothers of brass you know we I would say we live that street life we're out on the streets playing music all the time all over the place and you know a lot of things come with that street life we've had to deal with a lot of different type of street activities you know what I'm saying while being on the street playing music so yeah I think the name well represents the hustle that we that we go through what would you say is your favorite song on the album and why? My favorite song on the album, man, that's tough because there's a couple of them on there that I really like. I would say, for one, Egress. Uh, that was the first original idea that I brought to the band and developed, and I got to watch it grow through the amazing musicians that we had playing it. And if I could sneak another one in there, I would say Street Life, for sure. Where can people find your album if they want to listen? It's on all major streaming platforms. So if you use Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, YouTube, it's on everything. All right. Now, I was hoping to play some music from your live performance on Thursday. However, I was having some technical difficulties. Either way, we're going to play what you call the first original idea you brought to the band, and it's a song called Egress. It's the B.O.B. from the 303, and we want to welcome y'all to the street life, y'all. You know we out here trying to make some money and have a good time, but don't nobody do it like y'all in Colorado. I'm talking Denver, Boulder, Lakewood, the Springs, Fort Collins, Golden, Aurora, East Slope, West Slope, let's go. Uh, I love playing for the fish crowd.
That was the song Egress by the Brothers of Brass. I just got done speaking with one of the founding members of the Brothers of Brass Band and sousaphone player Khalil Simon. Now we're going to bring Khalil back here in a few minutes, but now we're going to talk to Armando Lopez, who is the front man and saxophone player for the band. Armando, talk to me about your background in music. My background in music, I'm from LA originally. Um, learned in uh, middle school and public school there. I went to a great jazz performing arts magnet in middle school. And I uh, came up with some cats that are in a band now called Moonchild. It's like an internationally recognized like neo-soul ensemble. Those are like some of my middle school, high school friends. Moved out to Colorado when I was still in high school. And then was self-taught from then. And played a lot of street music. And then that's actually where I met Khalil. And kind of the, the roots of the band was was playing a lot of street music. Let's talk about the album Streetlight Volume 1. What was that creative process like for you? Creative process spanned over a couple years. It's a mix of um, just working together at the house. Khalil and I used to live together. And we used to just be two bandmates and, you know, co-workers and also roommates. And it was a lot of just like, you know, it was, it was a lot of times. But um, it was also a really great time to just kind of just get together in the in the band room there and just kind of, you know, depending on what was going on, whether we were having a party or whether something tragic had just happened or frustrating, we needed to get some vibes out. It was great to just always have that kind of space to, to create and do stuff there. And then toward the tail end there, you know, I think the, the George Floyd protest started happening and, and we did a lot more writing there, but actually that ended up on our, on our next EP, uh, which we ended up just calling Black Lives Matter. Now, as a whole, is there a meaning behind the album? Of Street Life Volume 1, definitely. Um, so we got the name off of the Crusaders joint, the Street Life, um, which is a really awesome song um, that kind of kind of chronicles a lot of what we do as musicians and our main hustle. Um, so, like, you know, we're very different uh, from most ensembles in that we don't necessarily need producers or talent buyers or venue owners or stage managers. We don't, we're kind of all those things. Really all we need is our instruments and we play acoustically mostly and our first amendment right to play out on the street. So busking is, you know, has a lot of legal precedent as protected speech under the first amendment, which allows us to kind of get out there and work and not fear, you know, intense legal retaliation. So, so that's, that's the majority of how we make our money. And it's very different from most other ensembles, but with it comes a lot of other struggles. You know, there's um, a lot of other things you have to deal with um, playing on the street, which is, you know, things like weather, things like, you know, um, people that are, you know, travelers or, or houseless people that, you know, some, some violence sometimes. And, um, and there's, it's just a very different type of way of making music and, and, and making your money outside of playing bars and, and booking shows and selling tickets. Now, the process of creating an album can take a ton of time, as you know, and Khalil, as well as you mentioned that a lot of the creative process took place during parts of the pandemic when everything was shut down. Now, what is it that kept you all going, kept that enthusiasm going to finish up that album and finally release it? Yeah, during the pandemic, we actually had a lot of extra energy because there was no playing going on in public. Uh, most of the venues were closed. There wasn't any big shows to play at. So we um, we actually had a lot of pent-up energy that went into writing and recording. And then the George Floyd protest really just kind of brought that all together with uh, kind of a meaningful, like, you know, you know, tragedy, like national tragedy. Then everybody was out, you know, screaming their lungs off about justice. And we were there with them and, and playing with them. And it was a very inspiring moment. Now let's talk about your favorite song on the album. What is your favorite song on the entire album? And why is it your favorite? On Street Life Volume 1. Um, it's, I would probably say it's this one called Comet, which is not a single by any means. It's, it's an instrumental brass tune, but... We wrote it when we were at the house and we were young and, and we were recording on these little low-tech little task cams and we put it all together and then uh, it finally made it into the, the big boy studio. So that's probably my personal favorite. All right. Now, Khalil was showing me a list of different musicians that you guys can call upon at any given time to perform with you or create music with you. Now, I think that's one of the most unique aspects of your band is that there's not really a set number of individuals within the band. Let's talk a little bit more about that. If you understand the the rules and the voices and the norms and practices of making that music, you can really just kind of jump in there and, and absorb it very quickly. So in that way, we, we do go through a lot of players. Typically, we we will hire people or associate with people who have very good ear training in which they can they can you know hear something one or two times and, and play it back to you. So typically that's that's kind of a requirement to be in our band. But 
Um, yeah, outside of that, you know, we're a brass band, so we play uh, with six voices typically. And it's as if you're playing on a piano with each of your fingers and each of your fingers is a person. So it would be like, um, you know, losing one of those people would be like losing a finger on your hand. Now, Armando, for those that are here to watch you tonight, what do you hope they get out of your performance? They have a good time and, and dance a little bit. I know it's kind of rainy and windy, but we're hoping that it clears up and we just want to bring our music and energy we bring from the city out to, to you know, little sleepy town Fort Collins and, and hope to maybe inspire some college students and, and, and young people as well. Thank you so much, Armando. That was Armando Lopez, who is the frontman and saxophone player for the Brothers of Brass Band. Now we're going to talk to Jake Herman, who plays a little bit of everything percussion, drum sets, snare drum, aux percussion. It just depends on the setup. Jake, how long have you been a part of the Brothers of Brass Band? Probably, I would say, since 2016, like basically right around this time in 2016, like the end of the summer. Me and Armando, the sax player, we used to play before we met Brothers of Brass in a couple different bands. And uh, we were just busking on the street and ran into them. And um, that was in 2015. And then sort of over the next like year, year and a half, we played with each other more. And then I would say really I started in the band like right around the end of the summer, Labor Day 2016. So I don't know, was that like six years? Now, Street Life Volume 1 is the Brothers of Brass band's debut album. What was your favorite part of creating that album? I mean, that that whole album was just uh, very uh, recorded, very live and raw. Um, you know, we didn't record to a click and uh, we just, you know, kept it really live. And we recorded at Coop Studios. And honestly, that place is just really conducive for uh, making music and recording sound. And so it just it just really felt good to be up in Coop and just uh, laying down some tracks and, you know, just laying it bare and, and, and you know, just capturing some really live stuff that, that I, honestly, I was really happy with how a lot of it came out. So... Now, Jake, you're a man of many instruments. What instrument are you most excited to play tonight? This uh, West African drum called the djembe. It's uh, shaped like a kind of like a chalice or a goblet. Not to be confused with the bongos or the congos, which are completely different instruments. But uh, but yeah, I've, I've really been trying to get back into playing djembe lately. You know, I've studied I studied African drums on and off for many years of my life. And so I've been really picking it up and warming up today. My hands felt pretty good. So I'm excited to, to play for that instrument. I didn't start playing drums until I was 16 you know, it was the kind of the typical American thing. I, at fifth, sixth grade, they used to have like a school band. Everyone picks instruments. And I really wanted to play the drums, but they said, you know, this, we don't want a million drummers. So I was like, fine, I'll pick up the saxophone. And I uh, never really connected with that instrument. I did play it like all the way in like high school marching band and all this stuff. But my junior year of high school, my friends and I started, uh, they wanted to start like a reggae band. And they're like, oh, like, can you play drums? I was like, oh, I'll try. And so, you know, um, yeah, just, you know, never quite looked back after that. You know, I just started practicing drum set. I got a drum set at my house and uh, it just spoke to me in a way the saxophone didn't. So I just kept practicing that. And then in college, you know, kept kind of playing with, in bands and uh, studied some jazz, not in an official capacity. I just had some teachers and met a bunch of people through the African Drum Ensemble at uh, Kansas University. That's where I went to school. And so I got exposed to some, uh, some you know, African music, sort of African culture through music, through that program, which was great. It was taught by some people who were really knowledgeable and had been over there, you know, many, many times and studied with like the source masters, basically. So it was really cool. Um, and that's how I got on djembe. And so I kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Jake, I look forward to hearing you play. Any final words for our audience tonight? Uh, yeah, we always like to see dancers. That helps the music, you know, go in even even harder. So, you know. Don't be afraid to get up there and be the first one on the dance floor. That was Jake Herman, who plays everything percussion in the Brothers of Brass Band. Now we're going to listen to another band favorite, a song called 16th Street Life.
That was the song titled 16th Street Light by the Brothers of Brass Band. Up next, we're going to hear from Sherman Arnold, who also plays percussion for the band. Sherman, how many years have you been a part of the Brothers of Brass Band? Seven or eight years. Um, I've been playing the drums since I was about 12 years old. That's actually when me and Khalil met. I played for his church. He used to sit behind me. We've been friends since then. Now, as far as the creative process goes, what's one of your favorite memories with the band? Probably the music video. We had a good time uh, shooting a music video. One of our friends and uh, members died, Azad, who was in the video, and I can vividly remember me and him standing next to each other. So just having good times with Azad doing that video was pretty good. Sherman, what are you most excited to perform tonight? One of my favorites is Black Lives Matter, and just because it has a, a great message. Black Lives Matter is not just about Black Lives Matter. It's about everybody mattering the same. Everyone is equal. So just don't overlook people because you're not the same race. It's not excluding police. It's not excluding white people. It's not excluding Mexican people. You know, so it's like, hey, we're all in this together. If we're all equal, we should all be equal. That's what the song's about. Any final words for your listeners tonight? Um, thank you guys for inviting us, and we hope you enjoy the show. That was Sherman Arnold, who plays percussion for the Brothers of Brass Band. Now we're going to listen to one of his favorite songs by the band, titled Black Lives Matter. So, like, okay, like, so if we learn yeah, how to do this, like, yeah. we go like, live, you know? We can just record so much easier and faster. Yeah. If we just right. get comfortable doing it. Here we go. One, two, one, two, ready. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was the Brothers of Brass with their song titled Black Lives Matter. Now we're going to bring Armando and Khalil back in to talk a little bit more about the Black Brass Initiative Cultural Exchange Program. The Black Brass Initiative is a cultural exchange program between the Deep South and the Metro Denver area of Colorado with its roots in the Brothers of Brass Band. This effort is responsible for the food, housing, and transportation of black musicians from Louisiana, Georgia, and Alabama. Not only do these areas experience abject and institutionalized racism, but they are also increasingly threatened by climate change and natural disasters. The hope is that bringing the gems of this culture here to Denver through employment and music will create a pipeline for cultural and educational enrichment for both the people of Colorado and the lineage of these musicians. Yeah, so when I met Khalil, you know, we had our brass band here on the streets using uh, from local Denver talent, and that was well and good for a time, but it, it quickly became apparent that there is kind of an authenticity and approach to playing brass music that is really only found in, you know, people with uh, black and indigenous ancestry from the South. And, you know, Khalil, from being from that place, he would he would fly these people out or, or pay for them to come out using our band fund. You know, we'd raise the money collectively and pay for these people, give them a place to stay, try to get them to move here. That was kind of the whole goal. And it was uh, it kind of it kind of became apparent itself that that this could be, you know, some type of cultural exchange program that that both the people that were, you know, benefiting financially from the south that could, could come up here and get get this good money and then also the the culture here in denver colorado that that is is you know thirsting and chomping at the bit for for authentic talent um that there was uh there was something to be gained from 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 both parties there so we we decided to give it a cool name and um hoping one day we can we can formalize it in a nonprofit. What is something that the cultural exchange program has done that you are most proud of so far? So far, we've been able to bring out, I'd say at this point, about like a dozen different musicians from the South. Some of them college kids is needing work over the summer and provided them with employment for years now. And some of them we've exposed to the New Orleans brass band culture that weren't exposed to it before and showing people ways to make money playing music, playing their horn, because a lot of people don't get that opportunity. For those who are interested in learning more about the Black Brass Initiative Cultural Exchange Program and how they can give back, where should they go? Yeah, for help with that, you can go to brothersofbrass.band. You can also do a donation at Venmo at Brothers of Brass Official. We also have a website for it, blackbrassinitiative.org. And you can hit us up on Gmail at either brothersofbrass at Gmail or blackbrassinitiative at Gmail as well. I want to thank the Brothers of Brass members Khalil, Armando, Jake, and Sherman for letting me steal them before their performance. You can catch the Brothers of Brass again in Fort Collins when they hit the stage at the New Belgium Brewery on September 3rd at noon for a tour de fat. For more information on the Brothers of Brass and upcoming shows, you can visit brothersofbrassband.band. Stay tuned for environmental news with Kira McKinley after the break. Five hundred people tune into KCSU every week. Do you want them to hear you? Integrating into the Northern Colorado music scene can be difficult, and KCSU is here to make your life easier. Whether you're a nationally touring or local band, KCSU invites you to submit your music to KCSU's digital submission form. Find the form at kcsufm.com. 
In environmental news, if greenhouse gas emissions carry on as is or get worse, research suggests that 90% of marine species will be extinct within the next 100 years, according to ABC News. They said that this risk will continue to increase if climate change continues to worsen. If climate change continues to worsen, it will further disrupt ecosystems and cause a loss of biodiversity, which will cause almost all marine species to be at risk of becoming extinct. The Rum Creek wildfire in southwest Oregon grew 8,404 acres on Sunday, August 28th, according to CNN. The fire nearly doubled in size in one day. Now 740 personnel are on the scene fighting to contain the fire. Many people may be quick to step on a tarantula if they happen to come upon one, but advocates are advising against killing these creepy crawlers. Soon, the tarantula breeding season will start, and they are advocating for their protection. Many male tarantulas have to crawl about one mile to find a female during this season. Unfortunately, this mile includes crossing several highways. One way these advocates are seeking to protect these creepy crawlers is by asking the Colorado Department of Transportation to provide safe crossing tunnels under several highways, according to the Denver Post. There's currently wildlife protection fences by these highways, so the DCOT thinks it will protect the spiders as well. The Denver Post goes on to explain that building an overpass crossing could cost around $2 million per passing. Although this is an expensive project, it is worth it. Over 40% of insect species have been declining since 2019. Many experts fear an insect apocalypse will happen, which could impact our ability to grow food and our ecosystems, according to the Denver Post. By saving a spider or supporting projects like this one, you may be able to protect these species that are vital to our ecosystems. I'm Kira McKinley. Thank you for listening to my environmental news updates. Hey, it's DJ Honeybee here to bring you a variety of music from all over the world every Friday from 1 to 3 p.m. In national news, an affidavit version of the search warrant that allowed FBI agents to search former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home in Florida was released. The warrant stated that there was probable cause to believe that classified national security materials were improperly taken to unauthorized security locations, such as Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort, according to CNN. The FBI affidavit said... There is also probable cause to believe that evidence of obstruction will be found at Mar-a-Lago, end quote. The affidavit explained that there are a multitude of documents marked as confidential, secret, and top secret at the resort. Moderna is suing Pfizer and BioNTech for infringement tied to the development of the first COVID-19 vaccines. Pfizer said they were surprised by these allegations and would vigorously fight against them in a BBC article. Moderna said that Pfizer and Binotech copied two key elements of their intellectual property, according to the BBC. The first element involves a chemical modification. This is something Moderna first demonstrated in human trials in 2015. Moderna chief executive explained to the BBC that they are, quote, filing these lawsuits to protect their innovative mRNA technology platform that we pioneered, invested millions of dollars in creating, and planted during the decade preceding the COVID-19 pandemic, end quote. Thank you for listening to my national news updates. Now on to updates on CSU Sports with Eliza Drotar. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's soccer, the team went 2-1, and one, winning the first game to start the season against Utah Tech, a loss to Utah State, and a win this weekend against South Dakota. They'll be playing later this week on Sunday against Southeast Missouri here in Fort Collins. 
In cross country, the team is heading up past the border to Wyoming for the Wyoming Invite hosted by University of Wyoming. In men's football, the season begins this Saturday against Michigan in Ann Arbor, and fans can watch it nationally on ABC starting at 10 a.m. In women's volleyball, the team started their season 2-0, facing off against the North Carolina Tar Heels with a win in four sets, 3-1, and facing off against UC Santa Barbara the next day with another four-set win, 3-1, in both games losing that third set only. Their next match will be against University of Northern Colorado on Tuesday here at Moby Arena. If you're interested in student tickets for volleyball, football, soccer, and more, go to csurams.evenu.net to get your student tickets. My name is Eliza Drotar. This has been your RMR Sports Report. I'm Portia Cook with your Fort Collins weather forecast for today, Tuesday, August 30th. Today was warm and sunny with a high of 92 degrees. Tonight, you can expect a low of 61 degrees. Wednesday, expect partly cloudy skies and possible showers and thunderstorms. Wednesday's temperatures will reach a high of 90 degrees with a nighttime low of 59 degrees. And for the rest of this week's weather, you can tune in for the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Portia Cook with your KCSU weather. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guest today, our news producer, Reese Granger, as well as the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Portia. And I'd like to thank you, Kira. And finally, we couldn't do this without you. Dear listener, thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under news or podcast. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.